This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. This recording is by Mark Smith of Simpsonville, South Carolina. The Swiss Family Robinson by Johann David Wyss Chapter 45 We resumed our march, thanking God for our preservation from this danger, in which my dear Jack, at any rate, might have perished. As a proof and a trophy of our adventure, we cut off the forepaws of the animal to carry to my wife. It is said that these form a very delicious dish, fit for the tables of kings. The valley now began to expand, and presented a more varied appearance. It was intersected with beautiful plains, or savannas, of which the grass had evidently been eaten, and with more extensive woods, through which we had great difficulty in forcing a passage, so thick and entangled were the lianas and underwood. We succeeded in passing them by keeping at the borders, where we also felt in greater safety from the wild beasts and reptiles, of which we saw many species that had their abode at the foot of the rocks. Besides the fatigue of our journey, we were tormented with thirst, never having seen any water since we left the sea. The soil was so moist that I was of opinion we might have found water by digging, but having been compelled to leave our spades when we came along the reef, we had no tools suitable for the purpose. We were also impatient to wash ourselves, after the butchery of the bears, when, to our great satisfaction, we heard the murmur of waters, which I concluded was the river Jack and I had seen in our former expedition. He had frequently inquired about it, and we had foolishly thought it had extended along the whole valley, which could not be. It was a gentle stream, gushing from a perpendicular rock, which reminded me of the source of the river Orb, in the canton of Vaud. It issued forth in its full width, rolling at first over a rocky bed, then forming a graceful bend, it took its course towards the great bay, and fell in a cascade into the sea. We remained some time here to fill our gourds, drinking moderately, and taking a bath, which refreshed us all greatly. The evening was approaching, and we began to fear we should not reach home before night. I had warned my wife that there was a possibility that we might be delayed, though I could not then anticipate the cause of our delay. We endeavoured, however, by walking as quickly as we could, and resting no more, to reach our farm at any rate. We followed the course of the river, on the opposite shore of which rose a wide plain, where we saw the herd of buffaloes quietly grazing, ruminating, and drinking, without paying the slightest attention to us. We thought we distinguished some other quadrupeds amongst them, which Fritz was certain were zebras or anagras, but certainly not his dear gazelle, for which he had incessantly looked round. Jack was in despair that the river separated us from the buffaloes, so that he could not cast his lasso round the legs of one of them, as he had promised Ernest. He even wished to swim across the stream to have a hunt, but I forbade him, encouraging him to hope that perhaps a single buffalo might cross to our side, and throw itself in the way of his lasso. I was far from wishing such a thing myself, for we had no time to lose, nor any means to secure and lead it home, should we succeed in capturing one, not having any cords with us, and moreover intending to return from the bay in the canoe. 
When we arrived at the bay, the night, which comes on rapidly in equinoctial countries, had almost closed. We were scarcely able to see, without terror, the changes that the late storm had occasioned. The narrow pass which led from the other side of the island, between the river and a deep stream that flowed from the rocks, was entirely obstructed with rocks and earth fallen upon it, and to render our passage practicable, it was necessary to undertake a labour that the darkness now prevented, and which would at any time be attended by danger. We were obliged then to spend the night in the open air, and separated from our dear and anxious friends at Tent House. Fortunately, Fritz had collected a store of breadfruit for his mother, with which he had filled his own pockets and those of his brothers. These, with water from the river, formed our supper, for we had nothing but the bone of our leg of mutton left. We turned back a little way, to establish ourselves under a clump of trees, where we were in greater safety. We loaded our muskets, we kindled a large fire of dry branches, and recommending ourselves to the protection of God, we lay ourselves down on the soft moss to wait for the first rays of light. With the exception of Jack, who from the first slept as if he had been in his bed, we none of us could rest. The night was beautiful. A multitude of stars shone over our heads in the ethereal vault. Ernest was never tired of gazing on them. After some questions and suppositions on the plurality of worlds, their courses, and their distances, he quitted us to wander on the borders of the river, which reflected them in all their brilliancy. From this night his passion for astronomy commenced, a passion which he carried beyond all others. This became his favourite and continual study, nor did he fall far short of Duval, whose history he had read. Whilst he was engaged in contemplation, Fritz and I conversed on our projects for tunnelling to the grotto, and on the utility of such a passage, as this side of the island was quite lost to us, from the difficulty in reaching it. "'And yet,' said I, "'it is to this difficulty we owe the safety we have enjoyed. Who can say that the bears and the buffaloes may not find the way through the grotto? I confess I am not desirous of their visits.' nor even of those of the Onagras. Who knows but they might persuade your favourite Lightfoot to return and live amongst them? Liberty has many charms. Till now we have been very happy on our side of the island, without the productions of this. My dear boy, there is a proverb, Let well enough alone. Let us not have too much ambition. It has ruined greater states than ours." for it seemed grieved to give up his plan, and suggested that he could forge some strong bars of iron to place before the opening, which could be removed at will. But, said I, they will not prevent the snakes from passing underneath. I have noticed some with terror, as they are animals I have a great antipathy to, and if your mother saw one crawl into her grotto, she would never enter it again, even if she did not die of fright." "'Well, we must give it up,' said Fritz. "'But it is a pity. Do you think, father, that there are more bears in the island than those we killed?' "'In all probability,' said I. "'It is scarcely to be supposed that there should be only two. I cannot well account for their being here. 
they can swim very well, and perhaps the abundance of fruit in this part of the island may have attracted them. I then gave my son a short account of their manners and habits, from the best works on the history of these animals. End of chapter 45 Starting chapter 46 Whilst we continued to talk, and to admire the beauty of the stars, they at length began to fade away before the first light of morning. Ernest returned to us, and we awoke Jack, who had slept uninterruptedly, and was quite unconscious where he was. We returned to the pass, which now, by the light of day, seemed to us in a more hopeless state than in the dusk of evening. I was struck with consternation. It appeared to me that we were entirely enclosed at this side, and I shuddered to think of crossing the island again, to pass round at the other end, of the risk we should run of meeting wild beasts, and of the painful and perilous passage along the coral reefs. At that moment I would gladly have consented to open a passage through the grotto, at the hazard of any visitors, in order to get through myself, that I might relieve the anxious feelings of my dear wife and boy. The thoughts of their agony unnerved me, and took away all courage for the commencement of a labour which seemed impossible, our only utensils being a small saw, and a little dibble for taking up plants, which Ernest had been unwilling to leave behind us. The path by which Jack and I had passed was covered with rocks and masses of soil, which obstructed even the course of the stream. We could not discover the place we had forded. The river had opened itself a wider course, far beyond its former one. "'It is impossible,' said Fritz, gazing on the ruins, "'that we can remove all those immense stones without proper tools. Hmm, but perhaps with a little courage we may cross over them. The rivulet being widened cannot be very deep.' At all events, it cannot be worse than the coral reefs. Let us try. But I fear it will be impossible, at least for him, said I, pointing to Jack. Him, indeed, papa, and why not, said the bold fellow. He is perhaps as strong and more active than some of them. Ask Fritz what he thinks of his workmen. Shall I go the first to show you the way? And he was advancing boldly. But I checked him, and said, that before we undertook to scale these masses of rock absolutely bare, where we had nothing to support us or to hold by, it would be as well to examine if, by descending lower, we could not find a less dangerous road. We descended to the narrow pass, and found our drawbridge, plantation, all our fortification that my boys were so proud of, and where, at Fritz's request, I had even planted a small cannon all, all destroyed, the cannon swallowed up with the rest. My boys deplored their disappointment, but I showed them how useless such a defence must ever be. Nature had provided us with a better fortification than we could construct, as we had just now bitterly experienced. We had descended several yards lower with incredible difficulty, plunged in a wet heavy soil, and obliged to step across immense stones, when Fritz, who went first, cried out joyfully, "'The roof, papa! The roof of our chalet! It is quite whole. It will be a bridge for us if we can only get to it.' "'What roof? What chalet?' said I, in astonishment. 
the roof of our little hermitage said he which we had covered so well with stones like the swiss chalets i then recollected that i had made this little hut after the fashion of the swiss chalet of bark with a roof nearly flat and covered with stones to secure it against the winds it was this circumstance and its situation that had saved it in the storm i had placed it opposite the cascade that we might see the fall in all its beauty and consequently a little on one side of the passage filled up by the fall of the rocks some fragments reached the roof of the hut and we certainly could not have entered it but the chalet was supported by this means and the roof was still standing and perfectly secure we contrived to slide along the rock which sustained it jack was the first to stand on the roof and sing victory it was very easy to descend on the other side holding by the poles and pieces of bark and we soon found ourselves safe in our own island ernest had lost his gun in the passage not being willing to resign his bag of curiosities he had dropped the gun into the abyss you may take the gun i left in the canoe said fritz but another time throw away your stones and keep your gun you will find it a good friend in need let us embark in our canoe cried jack the sea the sea long live the waves they are not as hard as the stones i was very glad to have the opportunity of conveying my canoe back to the port of tent house our important occupations had prevented me till now and everything favoured the plan the sea was calm the wind favourable and we should arrive at home sooner and with less fatigue than by land we skirted the great bay to the cabbage palm wood i had moored the canoe so firmly to one of the palms that i felt secure of it being there we arrived at the place and no canoe was there the mark of the cord which fastened it was still to be seen round the tree but the canoe had entirely disappeared struck with astonishment we looked at each other with terror and without being able to articulate a word what was become of it some animal the jackals a monkey perhaps might have detached it said jack but they could not have eaten the canoe and we could not find a trace of it any more than of the gun fritz had left in it this extraordinary circumstance gave me a great deal of thought savages surely had landed on our island and carried off our canoe we could no longer doubt it when we discovered on the sands the print of naked feet it is easy to believe how uneasy and agitated i was i hastened to take the road to tent house from which we were now more than three leagues distant i forbade my sons to mention this event or our suspicions to their mother as i knew it would rob her of all peace of mind I tried to console myself. It was possible that chance had conducted them to the bay, that they had seen our pretty canoe, and that, satisfied with their prize, and seeing no inhabitants, they might not return. Perhaps, on the contrary, these islanders might prove kind and humane, and become our friends. There was no trace of their proceedings further than the shore. We called at the farm on purpose to examine all appeared in order and certainly if they had reached here there was much to tempt them our cotton mattresses our osier seats 
and some household utensils that my wife had left here. Our geese and fowls did not appear to have been alarmed, but were pecking about as usual for worms and insects. I began to hope that we might get off with the loss of our canoe, a loss which might be repaired. We were a sufficient number, being well armed, not to be afraid of a few savages, even if they penetrated further into the island, and showed hostile intentions. I exhorted my sons to do nothing to irritate them, on the contrary, to meet them with kindness and attention, and to commit no violence against them unless called on to defend their lives. I also recommended them to select from the wrecked chest some articles likely to please the savages, and to carry them always about with them. "'And I beseech you once more,' added I, "'not to alarm your mother.' They promised me, and we continued our road unmolested to Falcon's Nest. Jack preceded us, delighted, he said, to see our castle again, which he hoped the savages had not carried away. Suddenly we saw him return, running, with terror painted on his countenance. "'They are there!' said he. "'They have taken possession of it. Our dwelling is full of them. Oh, how frightful they are! What a blessing Mama is not there! She would have died of fright to see them enter!' I confess I was much agitated, but, not wishing to expose my children to danger before I had done all in my power to prevent it, I ordered them to remain behind till I called them. I broke a branch from a tree hastily, which I held in one hand, and in the other some long nails, which I found by chance in the bottom of my pocket, and I advanced thus to my tree-castle. I expected to have found the door of my staircase torn open and broken, and our new guest ascending and descending, but I saw at once it was closed as I had left it. Being of bark it was not easily distinguished. How had these savages reached the dwelling forty feet from the ground? I had placed planks before the great opening. They were no longer there. The greater part of them had been hurled down to the ground, and I heard such a noise in our house that I could not doubt Jack's report. I advanced timidly, holding up in the air the branch and my offerings, when I discovered, all at once, that I was offering them to a troop of monkeys lodged in the fortress, which they were amusing themselves by destroying. We had numbers of them in the island, some large and mischievous, against whom we had had some difficulty in defending ourselves when crossing the woods, where they principally dwelt. The frequent report of firearms round our dwelling had kept them aloof till now, when, emboldened by our absence, and enticed by the figs on our tree, they had come in crowds. These vexatious animals had got through the roof, and once in had thrown down the planks that covered the opening. They made the most frightful grimaces, throwing down everything they could seize. Although this devastation caused me much vexation, I could not help laughing at their antics, and at the humble and submissive manner in which I had advanced to pay homage to them. I called my sons, who laughed heartily, and— rallied the prince of the monkeys without mercy for not knowing his own subjects. Fritz wished much to discharge his gun amongst them, but I forbade him. I was too anxious to reach Tent House to be able to turn my thoughts on these depredators just now. 
we continued our journey. But I pause here. My heart is oppressed. My feelings when I reached home require another chapter to describe them, and I must summon courage for the task. End of chapter.